0: Hey everybody, this is Matt Hardman here with two weeks worth of racing to get you caught up on. This is the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Before we get to all the racing uh, that has happened over the two weeks, including some insane moments um, and a Pop Quiznos, which is which includes a trivia fact I did not know until uh, earlier today, um, prior to recording. Um, We do have to talk about some unfortunate news. Um, And this is actually part of the reason why I decided to hold off last week's broadcast uh, recording schedule. And because... I honestly did not know how to speak on this. And this is the passing of longtime motorsports um, play by play announcer Bob Jenkins. Um, Bob had been diagnosed with brain cancer and um, he had passed. Shortly after last weekend's races, um, going into this weekend's races at Indianapolis. Um, Bob was a uh, long-time motorsports announcer for both IndyCar, NASCAR, and the USAC um, Midgets. Um, Bob was for a while, the play-by, the lead announcer, the lead play-by-play announcer for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Network. Um, Taking the reins from Paul Page as Paul Page would move to ABC's um, broadcast booth for the IndyCar series. Um, Bob, not only was the lead Play-by-play announcer for the Indianapolis 500, but he was also the lead motorsports announcer for a fledgling network started in 1979 called ESPN. Um, Bob would call some of the all-time greats um, in the world of IndyCar, uh, NASCAR, USAC, where he would uh, call races uh, that would feature young and upcoming drivers by the names of Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart among others. Um, Bob, who is known for his uh, soothing voice and calm demeanor in the booth, um, was a longtime resident of Indiana, Uh, would start in radio as a disc jockey, I believe, or a, a Farm, farm news announcer, or something like that. Um, before um, taking the advice of Indy uh, Indie, Indie Motor Speedway announcer um, Paul Page, and Bob would grow in that role in Indianapolis and on the ESPN. Um, first with being paired with Larry Newber, and later on. Um, Pairing with the late, great NASCAR Hall of Famer and 1972 champion Benny Parsons and another NASCAR Hall of Famer by the name of Ned Jarrett, Um, Bob would be synonymous with motorsports announcers uh, throughout the 80s, 90s, and into the 21st century where he would Uh, Anchor the speed report on the speed channel, which would cover all the week's um, news and races uh, around the world um, for the for American audiences, and that is where I first got you know used to hearing Bob Jenkins, then going and watching old races. Um, Bob was a one of the best play-by-play announcers, uh, not many who, uh, who really can do it as well as Bob did, uh, maybe the late Barney Hall or an Eli Gold, um, or even a Ken Squire. There, there's, there's very, very good ones, um, but Bob is in that category along with Squire and the late Barney Hall, um, who are both NASCAR Hall of Famers, but Bob is no slouch. In nineteen, uh, not 19, uh, 2019, Excuse me, uh, Bob would be inducted into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame. Um, Bob, who had retired at that point to take care of his ailing wife, um, would come back for a short period of time to announce uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy Five Hundred. Uh, for the Indy Motor Speedway Network um, had finally retired, and um, unfortunately with brain cancer that had uh, taken one of the great voices of motorsports away from us. Um, as we're reeling with the news that another Motorsports journalist, um, and another uh, face that is well known in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway garage, along with the world of IndyCar, and the Speed Channel as well, Uh, Robin Willer, is in Not the Best of Health. Um, So, it's been a double whammy. Um, Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Bob Jenkins, and Robin Miller and his family as he is dealing with his health issues. Uh, And it's only apt that we get the news of Bob's passing as they head to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a place where Bob loved. He absolutely loved Indy. He loved the Brickyard. It meant so much to him. And as somebody who uh, listened to... Bob on the speed report and then we'll go back and listen to his NASCAR and his finally his indie um, broadcasts uh, which I own a couple of at right now uh, he they are it, it's special it it really is I, I can't think of a better I guess a fitting, um, way to, to pay tribute. And, um, I know that Stuart Haas Racing, um, and Tony Stewart's team would actually pay tribute to Bob on their cars by carrying a special decal, remembering him and celebrating his life on all their cup cars this weekend and on their uh, Xfinity car uh, driven in Saturday's race. So, Godspeed to Bob Jenkins, um, as we talk about, uh, Watkins Glen and Nashville, and finally the races at Indianapolis, um, this past week, this weekend right now. Anyway, uh, yeah, not a, not a fun way to start the show. But um, I, I did have to pay Bob his due after, you know, after as much as he's given. But now it's time to kind of lift it up as we have a Pop Quiznos for the week. And this Pop Quiznos is former NASCAR driver, the late Ray T- Roy Tyner. Not Ray Tyner, sorry. Typo there. Roy Tyner was the first driver to carry this multi billion-dollar sponsor on the side of his NASCAR Grand National Card. What was that sponsor? Answer at the end of the show. Ah, We got a lot to talk about. Hope you guys like Mario Kart because we're gonna be talking a lot about turtles and I'll explain to you why um, as we talk about Nashville and Indianapolis. Uh, first, we're going to touch on NASCAR in the Finger Lakes region of New York as they would do their annual trek, bringing all three of their top series to Watkins Glen International Raceway. The, the historic long-standing road course uh, that has seen drivers like Uh, Mark Martin and Jeff Gordon and Chase Elliott uh, to drivers like Tim Richmond and James Hunt uh, for those of you who are familiar with the movie Driven and the F1 series of race, there. Mario Andretti. Everybody who is everybody has raced at Watkins Glen. But only three drivers would put their name in the historic books in the history of that track uh, last weekend. Uh, first with Austin Hill winning the truck race in a lightning-shortened race. Lightning and time-shortened, as NASCAR would run a doubleheader last Saturday, which would which would see Hill win his truck race 11 laps short of the finish, as lightning in the area would cause two red flags, um and ultimately cause the race to run in the time that was allotted for the Xfinity Series to run their race, Hill would clinch his second win of the season and cement himself into the playoffs for the Truck Series Championship. That would be shortened, and we would move on to the Xfinity Series. i um, kind of looking at my notes here. In trying to do this, so I apologize if I sound a little, huh? But anyway, the Xfinity Series would go off without a hitch, as Ty Gibbs would pick up his third win of the season in the Xfinity Series, not bad for a part-timer, three wins, um, two of those on road courses, obviously winning at the road course at Daytona, then he would win at Watkins Glen, for his most recent win, uh, and and I will say that this kid certainly has talent by the boatload. Um, three wins in such a short period of time, and he's only eighteen years old. Um, you know, but he is he is a blue chip prospect through and through. I I don't care for his personality and his attitude and his maturity, but I think that will come with time. I know, granted, a lot of people thought that about, let's say, Tony Stewart, um, the Bush brothers, you know, hey, sometimes they do mature, you know, I I will give Kurt Bush and Tony Stewart that, they really matured, and I came around on them. Kyle, eh, I'm still waiting, he's, what, 35, I don't think he's really matured, matured, but, whatever, um, but. Ty Gibbs has been very, very impressive. So a tip of the hat to him, tip of the hat to Hill. And then we will move on to last Sunday's races, which would see NASCAR run. Then right after that, the IndyCar series would make their their debut over 1,000 miles away in the Music City. But with NASCAR, you would have, you think, Chase Elliott, you know, the man who's been almost unbeatable on road courses the past couple of years, uh, pick up the win. No, it was his teammate, another driver who's practically been unbeaten in the past two years, and that was Kyle Larson picking up his fifth win of the season and putting him neck and neck and in a battle for the regular season championship with winless Denny Hamlin, uh, Hamlin who has been very impressive, um, running without a win, but Larson would beat out Elliott, who was forced to start at the back of the field, um, in the uh, in the race due to um, some unapproved adjustments prior to uh, the start. And uh, it, it was a, an impressive run by Chase, but I was definitely pulling for Larson in this one. Uh, then we would move over to what I had been waiting for all IndyCar season, outside of the 500, the debut of the Music City Grand Prix, a, a race that, um, that involved many promoters, uh, putting it on uh, with the likes of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Justin Timberlake helping put this show on. Um, and uh, it, it did pack a lot of excitement. Uh, it was a very unique venue, a uh, venue that would cross the Commonwealth Bridge um, there in Nashville. And there was a lot of talk about this race. Um, would cars be flying into the river or would... How, how would they handle on this new street circuit? And at the end of the day, Marcus Erickson would pick up his second win of the season in a race where he would go airborne early on over t- the Turtles. Now, for those of you who don't know um, motor racing vernacular for Turtles, uh, they are basically over-glorified speed bumps and curbs uh, that are meant to um, keep the cars on the track and not go off parts of the track. Now the Turtles will play into what we talk about this week um, in many many cases. Uh, the Turtles have made themselves well known. Uh, but we would say Marcus Erickson, uh recover from a first lap incident with the Turtles come back and win um, holding off uh, Colton Herta, who had by far the strongest car of the day, uh, driving for Andretti Steinbrenner Racing, and um, he would uh, Herta would find himself in the outside wall, and, and pretty much cement the win for the the young driver from Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, who had won earlier in the year at Belle Isle, and uh, this certainly was a uh, a, a fun race, um, it was a race where you didn't know what to expect, and I think that's what made it so interesting on how these cars were, and I there were a lot of complaints uh, from many of the drivers about the track. Um, Everybody said that the event itself was great, but the race, not so much. Um, Hopefully, we will see Nashville back on the schedule in 2022. I thought it was fun for what it was. Yeah, it was a little bit of a demolition derby, uh, but I think that it was fun nonetheless. Alas, we move on to the while Daytona may call itself the world center of racing I think the ult- ultimately what the heart of racing is it's found in a little town outside of Indianapolis Indiana called Speedway Indiana where there is a two and a half mile yard of bricks now paved over to just a strip of bricks at the start finish line of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where History would happen as NASCAR's Cup Series and IndyCar Series would compete at the same track on the same weekend. Uh, race that would start off with the Indy race, um, which would be won by Will Power. And yes, that is his real name, folks. His name is Will Power. It's not a joke. Willpower would pick up his 40th career IndyCar win in his first in well over a season and a half. I don't know how for the long-time um, championship contender could go that long without a win. But pick it up in his boss's backyard, his boss being Roger Penske, the owner of IndyCar in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, and it, it, was, it was a big win. You, there was a lot of bumping and banging on the track, but Will was able to get through um, and, and pick up this win. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a good race, surprisingly, for what it was. Uh, a lot of contenders, uh, a lot of different uh, strategies and teams going through, but ultimately uh, Team Penske would go. But the Team Penske train did not stop on Saturday, as Austin Sindrick would pick up yet another win this season uh, in the boss's backyard and be able to kiss the bricks like his IndyCar counterpart, who, uh... It, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, Austin Sindrick was a, a driver who... Um, Does very well at road courses, just beats out A.J. Allmendinger for this win. Um, I think this may be the biggest win in Sindrick's career. Um, you know, winning it, not just on his boss's track, but this is Indianapolis. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Austin Sindrick is the son of the head of Team Penske Racing. Yeah, I know there's a little nepotism there, um. Tim Sindrick, who calls the day-by-day team management on, well, the race day team management for Joseph Newgarden, uh, a a young man from Nashville, ironically, where they just were the weekend before, um, calls the shots for him on the pit box. Uh, So he had his entire family there. Uh, His father was able to be there. As well, already being at the track uh, with the IndyCar effort, so uh, that it, it's pretty big, <laughs> you know. And then we move on to the um, the Cup series. Now, before we get to the Cup series, we do got to take one last look at the Indy, uh, the um, the Xfinity series. The Xfinity series was marred by a big wreck at on the first lap. Uh, what we were talking about the turtles earlier. Uh, the turtles would come into play in turn six, which would take out multiple drivers, including Kevin Harvick, who was running the race to get some um, some uh, some laps under his belt for the Sunday effort. And um, they would hit one of these turtles that would cause a big wreck and. Uh, this would come into play today, as I'm recording this, uh, with the um, with the Cup Series. As for most of the race, it was pretty pretty easy. Pretty um, everybody was on their Ps and Qs until late in the race, which would see multiple wrecks and a couple of red flags to remove a couple of these turtles because um, they started to come up. One car who had gone over it would actually lose an oil pan and a splitter and cause multiple wrecks. Uh, these turtles that were there would be a, uh, I, I think, created a detriment. And it took a lot away from the race. Um, a race that would see A.J. Allmendinger, who would be heartbroken after yesterday's runner-up finish, um, in a part-time effort for college racing on the Cup side, pick up his second career win. Um, after inheriting the lead when Denny Hamlin was spun by Chase Briscoe as Briscoe was going for his first career Cup Series win. Um, and uh, it, it the race, I, I'm just going to say, um, the race was good for the first two-thirds of the race as it got into the... Later in the race with the turtles and the multi car wrecks, um, it became a shit show. Um, and unfortunately, you know, while AJ Almendinger uh, celebrating with his team, uh, this part time effort for Colleg Racing, a team that is going full time in the Cup Series next year, um, Almendinger won't be the story. The story will be the turtles, the curbs, the um, the removal of them, the just the how an effort like this would fall apart, and who is to blame? You know, is it the drivers uh, racing over these turtles in, in in these spots where they're not supposed to be? Is it? Um, the sanctioning body, NASCAR, not doing something about it, not getting better control over the track and the drivers. Or is it the track itself for having these there? Um, This is the third time this year that uh, NASCAR has gone to a new track and there has been some kind of issue. Uh, First, we start off with um, Bristol on the dirt race, Uh, they had the issues in the truck series practice, where the track was just utter mud. Um, then they had, uh, problems with, um, the, uh, the dirt drying out and becoming a giant dust bowl in certain parts of the race. Then we had, uh, Circuit of the Americas, uh, which, that, if you remember, that was a giant downpour, uh, during that race, and, um, It looked more like, uh, just, it should have been boats on the track instead of cars. Uh, then the Turtles here in Indianapolis, who is to blame? You know, do we blame the drivers? Can't really blame them for Bristol or Coda. Um, it's open to debate whether you want to blame them for what happened today in Indianapolis. Do we blame, uh, NASCAR for, you know, continuing this circus, um, or do we blame the promoters? I mean, can't really blame a whole lot about Circuit of the Americas, Racing in the Rain. Um, but what about, you know, Bristol not being prepared for that? Um, you know, we're we're all of them caught with their pants down on what to expect for this. Um, what should have been a great showing for... Uh, NASCAR and uh, Indianapolis, you know, will be lost on what happened with the uh, with these multi-car wrecks uh, due to these curbing uh, turtles. And uh, it, it really takes away from the story, which should be the wins. Um, you know, Erickson, you know, in his win at... Nashville will be overshadowed by, by the curbs and whatnot there. Uh, obviously, uh, today's win with Um, you know, and to a lesser extent, Cedric's uh, win, uh, you know, with the multi-car pileup in the very beginning of the race. Um, you know, what can be done for this? And, and this is not, you know, it's kind of giving, you know, NASCAR and in particular the Cup Series, a black eye as this has happened in three of their uh, Cup races so far. So, you know, who do we look at? Who do we, you know, say, hey, are you going to fix this? Um, I think the only the only race on a on a new venue that's new venues that have gone off realistically without any kind of major catastrophic issues have been um, the Nashville Super Speedway, which certain, you know, had a little bit of issues there, but, um, you know, it's whatever, it's a new track, it's understandable, um, but realistically, Road America was the only one that had not had any kind of significant issues, and, um, mind you, they're heading to Daytona very soon, a, a race which is a giant question mark, um, as, you know, with it being Daytona, you never know what to expect. You never know who's going to pop up where and, you know, who can win this thing. You realistically have 40 teams that all have the same shot at winning um, this final race, you know? And it's very unique and frustrating at the same time. Uh, you know, we saw Michael McDowell win the opening uh, race of the season, and Christopher Bell winning the second. And those were two drivers you probably wouldn't have picked to win the first two races. If you had them both pick to win the first two races of the season, and you bet a dollar on it, you're probably a millionaire by now. Um, so we're we're heading into that type of um, uncertainty. For a lot of teams and a lot of drivers, especially drivers who are on the bubble, like Tyler Reddick and Kevin Harvick, who were both caught up in uh, these accidents earlier on, that are basically racing for their season at this point, trying to make the playoffs. Harvick is on the outside. This is on the inside. Um, Reddick at one point was on the outside looking in, and uh, they're both, you know, racing trying to get in. And you have Denny Hamlin who. Uh, was taken out by Chase Briscoe, and he was trying to cement himself into the playoffs. And while I don't fault Briscoe, um, you know they they did talk after the race about Briscoe making contact, and you know he was penalized for it, um, placed last on the lead lap. Uh, it 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 just kind of showed how wild west. Um, the, the decision-making uh, was at this race. And while it's historic that it's NASCAR's first race on the road course in Indianapolis, it also begs the question, is NASCAR's Cup Series uh, running the road course in Indianapolis? Is it better than running the two-and-a-half-mile oval? Um, that's, that's a question for another day. Uh, but for what I saw today, I, I don't think it's, you got to pick your poison. You know, do we run the road course? Do we run the, uh, the oval or do we give up on the Indian, on the Indianapolis experiment altogether? Um, that, that's something to answer on an, like I said, another day. But from what I saw today, uh, I, I personally would rather, if I was a driver, I'd rather be back on the oval, um. But anyway, regardless, we got a, a couple of quick hit news uh, bits to talk about. Um, shout out to Josh Balicki, who uh, finished 16th in the cup race today. I think he had the best car in the field. Uh, this was a car that I saw a, a thing about early in the season. Um, it was a car that was designed uh, by his sponsor, Insurance King, uh, in honor of of their spokesperson and um, the late Dustin Diamond, as this car would uh, would harken the uh, the old stylings and colors and everything of the intro to Saved by the Bell, uh, Diamond's old television show uh, had a very uh, very unique paint scheme. Uh, Saved by the King. Certainly was a, uh, a fan favorite and a favorite of mine. I was so glad to finally see it on the track. And, and to see it have a, a good run for uh, Balicki and that team. Uh, other other news a bit. MotoGP star Valentino Rossi has called it a career racing on motorcycles. Uh, Valentino, who is probably the biggest name in motorcycle racing over the last 10, 15 years, uh, has decided that he will trade in two wheels for four wheels, and he is looking at possibly running um, a little bit of uh, rally car, and um, there has been some chatter that he will be uh, running, entertaining the thought of running some open wheel racing at some point nothing concrete on that but uh it would be really cool you know hopefully he'll have better uh a better career than other uh motors two-wheel motorsports drivers um to come over to a four wheel as we've seen you know ricky carmichael had an okay career um in motor and uh in nascar uh but drivers like jeremy mcgrath never made it really up the ladder and um you know, Travis Pastrana, who would compete in NASCAR's Xfinity Series, then Nationwide Series, really uh, had a hard time adjusting to, um, to the four wheels. Um, Pastrana, though, would uh, be very successful in Rally Car, um, uh, the, the global rally cross challenge uh, that Red Bull used to put on. Um, you'd find a lot there. And speaking of the Red Bull Rallycross Challenge, Tanner Faust, a, um, a former teammate at Subaru of uh, Travis Pastrana, has been signed by Andretti Autosport to run their uh, Extreme E Challenge series. Uh, Extreme E is something I did not know about until um, just a few weeks ago. Uh, it is apparently a all electric um, rally car type series uh, that would run um, in various spots around the globe. Um, and in with this, I think this is really cool because this gives a big boost in the arm, um, you know, to uh, to Americans who never have heard of this series. It, it's it's an American who has run. Um, like I said, the Global Rallycross, the GRC series, um, has run in the X Games. I, I think this could put put it in a, a bigger spotlight in the American market. So, I, I'm all for seeing how Tanner Faust runs in this series and learning more about it. Uh, so, um, you know, I've already touched on Bob Jenkins and Robin Miller. Uh, so, I, I really don't want to... Dwell on that, but, uh, it has, it has been, but yet hasn't been the greatest week in racing, and we're moving forward, um, one step closer to NASCAR's playoffs, so, uh, we're, hopefully we'll have some more positives to talk about, um, but, I just want to leave off, before we go, we got the Pop Quiznos answer, and that is the Rate Latiner. Uh, who was a longtime both driver and owner in NASCAR's Cup Series, um, brought had what multi-billion-dollar sponsor was the first driver to run with this multi-billion-dollar sponsor on his car? And that sponsor is, believe it or not, Pepsi. Um, Tyner, who... Would race in the fifties and sixties. Would um, run sponsor on uh, the sponsorship of Pepsi on his cars, um, for here or there. Never a big full time deal like uh, Richard Petty and STP, but would run them um, through uh, for many years. I should say, and um, this was due to him always being seen with a Pepsi at the racetrack. So. I'm sure some of the one of the bottlers or the bottling companies in the area would take notice of this, and throw a couple of bucks his way. But it it is um, on record that he is the first driver in NASCAR to actually carry spo- uh, um, the sponsorship of Pepsi Cola on his race car. Uh, Tyner, who um, would retire from driving and be an owner for. A while before retiring from that, and would um, unfortunately uh, meet his passing in nineteen eighty nine. Um, any any mystery which is still um, talked about today, um, but that's a whole other story. Well, maybe we'll save that for a uh, for a special, or save that for the off seasons. There's some mysteries in NASCAR that I don't think will ever be solved. Uh, it may not be the L. W. Wright story, but there's plenty of NASCAR stories that need to be told. But with that said, um, I I hope you uh, you enjoyed the racing and for what it was this weekend, whether you enjoyed it for the 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 uh, the demolition derby that it was, um, but. We're on to better and brighter things. Like I said, Daytona's coming up. LinkedIn in a few weeks, which will kick off the playoffs. Uh, You know, it's the Southern 500, baby. That's all that matters, the Southern 500. Uh, All that and a lot more. Uh, So thank you for tuning in. I'm Matt Hardman. This was the Race Nerd Podcast. Uh, For those of you who are not on Patreon, you may want to turn get on Patreon. It starts off at $5 for CKCC Radio um, because I will be doing a On the Road with the Race Nerd uh, this coming week. Look out for that. Uh, I'm going to be answering part two of your questions um, and they're not all racing related. So, look out for that. Look out for other patron content on um, on there. And there's, there's a lot of great stuff from Chris and Dan hosts Two of the three hosts of the Nerd Table, uh, I know a couple weeks back, they did a, a watch-along of the um, the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. And uh, I don't know much about Lord of the Rings other than watching the old Hobbit cartoon as a kid. I, I haven't seen any of the new movies, so I, I'm actually kind of intrigued on that. Um, so... Until then, I'm Matt Hardman, and and this episode is going longer than I thought. I will see you at the track. Bye.